States Attorney General Richard Kleindienst said today that the Nixon administration has now instituted 1,600 court-supervised surveillances and obtained over 700 indictments. But a Justice Department spokesman said there were only 490 surveillances and no records have been kept on the number of indictments. The speech was Attorney General Kleindienst first since his confirmation yesterday by the United States Senate. Spokesman John Wilson said that Kleindienst had authorized the disclosure of the errors in the public talk. In the speech, Kleindienst vowed to continue using wiretaps. The Attorney General said wiretapping is a legitimate and constitutional means to attack organized crime. And he indicated that he may expand the past use of wiretaps. West German authorities have filed charges of air piracy against 10 alleged Czechoslovak skyjackers, but Czechoslovakia and the United States Airline Pilots Association have demanded the return of the alleged skyjackers to their own country. The 10 took over a plane yesterday on a flight from Marienbad in Czechoslovakia to Prague. The pilot of the aircraft was shot to death when he refused to change route. The co-pilot flew the plane to West Germany, where the 10 are now being held. Two major gains for South Vietnamese troops today. Government forces recaptured the coastal town of Dap Da and finally broke through with reinforcements to the provincial capital of An Lak. The South Vietnamese military command said the troops reached An Lak by helicopter and on foot and immediately began the biggest evacuation of wounded since the long siege of An Lak began. But all the news was not so good. One of the United States senior military advisors in Vietnam, John Van, a man who had served in Vietnam since 1961 as a military officer and a civilian advisor, died today in a helicopter crash. Also dead were the two United States Army officers aboard the copter when it went down in the Central Highlands. Military spokesmen say they do not know if the aircraft carrying Van was shot down or crashed due to a mechanical failure. Belfast in Northern Ireland was lit by flames tonight as Protestants sealed off large sections of that city with barricades of burning vehicles. Army spokesmen said militant Protestant members of the Ulster Defense Association hijacked cars, buses, taxis, and trucks, and then overturned and burned them, setting up at least 22 barricades in the Protestant areas of the city. The masked man, armed with pick handles, told newsmen that the action was a token gesture aimed at demonstrating the Protestant strength in that city. Tonight's action followed the fourth day of increased shootings, bombings, and other violence in Northern Ireland that has taken seven lives in the last 24 hours. More news in a moment. This is Bob Harris in the WOR Weather Center reminding all New York sailors of our complete and up-to-the-minute marine weather watch every weekend, all summer, here on WOR 710. The Senate Finance Committee today approved a bill that would increase the present and future Social Security benefits by 10%, but the Senate will probably overrule its committee and approve a 20% increase when that measure gets onto the floor. The increases, which would be retroactive to June 1st, arrive in mailboxes of 28 million Americans less than a week before Election Day. WR AM Radio News Time, 11 minutes after 10 o'clock. Governor Nelson Rockefeller today completed the action on the work of a 1972 legislature by signing a sleeper bill allowing parochial schools to go to court for a state program which has already been declared unconstitutional in the courts. 
The measure, which was passed quietly before the adjournment of the legislature on May 12th, allows school authorities to ask the state court of claims for money due them out of the $28 million mandated service program of 1970. Parochial schools in several parts of the state have started considering either imposing higher tuitions or closing down altogether since the federal court struck down two state aid plans that would have given them some financial help. A Queens woman who was interned in a Nazi death camp during World War II told a deportation hearing today that she saw former concentration camp guard Mrs. Hermione Braunsteiner-Ryan of Queens helping to load children into trucks taking them to gas chambers. United States Immigration and Naturalization Service is attempting to deport Mrs. Ryan on the grounds that she failed to reveal an Austrian conviction for mistreating concentration camp inmates when she entered the United States as an American citizen's wife. Police have arrested a 25-year-old corrections officer in the Brooklyn House of Detention for alleged possession of narcotics. Police say that Paul Roberts, Jr. of Brooklyn is alleged to have taken out a cigarette package that contained three packets of heroin. Police say that Roberts reported for work earlier today in a dazed condition. Roberts was charged with possession of dangerous drugs and promoting prison contraband. Roosevelt Raceway tonight, daily double. Number four, off-track betting letter D, Coldstream George. And number one, off-track betting letter A, My Main Man. The feature, number five, OTB letter E, Verna Rainbow. On the stock exchange, lack of encouraging economic news kept the stock market on the downside. Dropped it today in moderate trading. New York exchange volume, 12,790,000 shares. Losers ahead of gainers. 883 to 462, 375 unchanged. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 6.77, transportation down 0.30, utilities down 0.38. The price of an average New York common share lost 21 cents. And the American Exchange sales were 3,599,000 shares. The losers ahead of the gainers, 560 to 314, and 314 issues unchanged. Amex Index closed down 0.07. Weather forecast now for New York City and vicinity. Cloudy with a few showers likely tonight, possibly a locally heavy thunderstorm. The low 60 to 65, chance of a few lingering showers early tomorrow. Variable cloudiness most of the day and then clearing toward evening. Cooler on Saturday, the highs near 70. Fair and quite cool tomorrow night and on Sunday with the lows around 50. Highs on Sunday in the mid to upper 60s. The current temperature... 77 degrees, humidity 56%. The winds are out of the southwest at 9 miles an hour, but they're gusting to 21. The barometer 29.61 inches and rising, and the THI is 72. These highlights in the news at this hour. 29-year-old Bronx man who engages police in a two-and-a-half-hour shootout finally surrenders. No one injured in the gunfire. New York City labor officials and administration officials express concern over apparent growing work action amongst New York City's firemen. Federal court acquits Louis Cirillo and three others on charges of conspiring to obstruct justice by unsuccessfully plotting to help Cirillo, already convicted on drug charges, to help trial as a narcotic smuggler. That's the latest from the WR Newsroom. Lester Smith reporting over WR 710 on your dial in New York. And now, Gene Shepard.
going to sit here and uh, wear my shades when I do this thing, do you? I mean, it makes it easier to see the world in its soft, mellifluous, lovely, voluptuous, exotic, erotic outlines, soft and billowing. <laughs> you don't mind if I wear my shades when I work here, do you, Larry? You don't mind? Oh, you're a man of taste and discrimination. what it's all about. <laughs> taste and discrimination, of course. You know, speaking of taste and discrimination and all them beautiful things, I sitting there looking at an ad in the silly section of the New York Times. You know, there's a silly section there where you can buy a, a surplus bolo knives and surplus 155 howitzers and all that kind of stuff. You've seen this silly section back there. And I, I find some really great things in the silly section from time. Of course, since this is a Summer's coming on, you know. It uh, has a <laughs> has a certain note of shrillness to it. I got an ad the other day in the in the in the mail, you know, and it just uh, said that at long last uh, a book is available entitled uh, "Victorious Praying." And uh, I don't know somehow that rang a little ding dong. And uh, I was just sitting here reading this little ad here, speaking of truth and beauty and meant of discrimination and taste. Uh, Larry, would you please give me a little uh, cheap, second-rate uh, Japanese koto music? Please bring it on there. Sneak it in there. Good. Yeah, there you go. Ah, uh, the ancient kingdom of Japan. The ancient empire. Redolent with rich, poetic images. And the floating lotus leaf drifts over the deep green pool of time. Observed only by the passing croak of a small tree frog. <laughs> uh, that lovely. I read to you an ad that I think is in keeping with the poetic spirit of ancient Japan. It combines ancient Japan and modern Japan nicely. And it's an ad which I now hold up before you. It's going into my vast trivia file of how it really is in our time. And it's entitled, Transistor Singing Birds. Create your own garden of paradise. Transistorized birds. And I read the copy. Sensational, ornamental, electronically controlled transistor singing birds of happiness from Japan. Have ancient charm. They're relaxing, delightful, enchanting. And they're fully transistorized with a concealed on and off switch. And the birds automatically sing at 12 to 15 second intervals. And you can select your type of transistorized singing birds to give you the ancient tranquility of the temple gardens of the old empire. Our most popular model is the Satsuri, or the temple bird, in a gilded cage, symbolically enough. ACDC and satisfaction guaranteed. All 
soul. One sit and contemplate infinite and listen to transistorized temple bird singing at twilight as sun go down over ancient sea of Japan. Bird faintly beginning to lose power, possibly need new battery. I replace batteries and return temple bird to its cage. Better to sing for the morrow. And of course, all of you who are familiar with the ancient court poetry of Japan, the haiku written by such great poets as Basho, other poets of the period, writing haiku to transistorized singing birds. It just sort of fits. I can, I can, I can write my own haiku tonight. All sea type battery, all bird of transistor song. A bow breaks, a child cries, an AC DC switch moves to on. Bird sing. So tonight, we take this little moment out, this little moment of tranquility to salute the new transistor world of ancient Japan, where even serenity in poetry comes with an AC-DC switch available in battery or AC-powered form. stem all from man, stem all from the ancient gods of time. ACDC transistorized lotus, all float eternally on sea of memory. All people bow into wind, battery dead. that you'd like more of that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Thank you. I suppose I'm a transistorized bird for most of you. I sing as long as your batteries keep working. And the minute your batteries go or your fuse blows, oh, shop out, he stops sing. Stop song of eternal bird perched on ancient bow. Ah, uh, ancient sumac tree of all time. <laughs> well, uh, I just, uh, you know, just, uh, just the way it's kind of going. I kind of like that, though. Everywhere you look, you see things are happening that way. I, I kind of, uh, you know, the beauty in poetry is, uh, is, a, is a thing that has very little place in our world. You must agree. Uh, for example, I got a letter from a kid here. I'm reading it. It says, Shepherd, he says, uh, what am I going to do? I, I don't often read letters from people on the air, but I just have to do this because I, I'm sure that more than a few of you have been in this uh, particular uh, quandary. He says, Shepard, my English teacher, I don't know what to say, said, I did my book report on Wanda Hickey, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories, your book, and he gave me a 78 because I didn't give the theme, the teaching advantages, and a psychological report on the characters. 
<laughs> That's what's happening to the book report world in our time. He says, now tell me, Shepard, what the hell is the theme and the teaching advantages, and how the hell do you psychologically report on Delbert Bumpus? Well, I would be more interested in a psychological report on your teacher. I think that would be far more revealing to us. Uh, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine the kid giving a psychological report and uh, the motivations and the teaching advantages of, let's say, uh, oh, let's say, uh, Candide. Uh, have you ever read Candide? You should. He sounds like a lot of our political candidates. You may find him very interesting, Larry. <laughs> he really does. Uh, and uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but the but but the inexp inexpressible does not lend itself to teaching advantages or psychological uh, dissection. And now it may lend itself to transistorization. There's no question about that. I mean, as long as you can buy transistorized nightingales to sing in the night, to uh, to turn on underneath your loves. Hey, oh yes, I'm sure that. Uh, that uh, that it's you know that uh, that the transistor world has completely changed the world of of uh, say such things as serenades outside of a outside of a lovely girl's apartment you know down by the balcony there in in old Spain for example you know that uh, this has been old tradition in Spain you know, standing under the window there and uh, playing your guitar well this used to be a a pretty tough thing you had to play the guitar pretty good you couldn't stand under the chicks uh, a bedroom window there and just uh, strum away at the only chord you know the G minor chord <laughs> and and it used to really be pretty pretty tough you know pretty tough cutting for a guy who couldn't play the guitar and so today uh, Japan what's going on in there for heaven's sakes today in Japan or rather in in uh, in Spain you can buy a Spanish guitar it looks beautiful it looks like a real Spanish guitar but it has built into it a tape, a transistorized tape, and it's completely self-contained. Nobody would even know it. it. doesn't have a cord running out of it. And you can sit there and strum this guitar, and uh, it plays itself. It's like a, it's what well, you've seen player pianos, haven't you? Well, you know, you can now buy a player guitar that really plays. And you just stand out of this chick's uh, uh, balcony there, and you turn it up to say uh, love sonnets from the Portuguese. You know, you turn it up, <laughs> and it plays away. See, it, uh, and she looks down and says, "Oh, oh, Carlos, I didn't know that you could play the guitar so beautifully. You were bringing tears to my eyes. You were making all my glands work at once. And you, you just say nothing. You just look enigmatic, and you allow your eyes to wander romantically over her lovely, luscious figure, and your guitar swells and plays. And the Japanese brought it all to us. A little more Japanese there, please. Without the transistor, I mean, there'd be so many untalented guys revealed for what they are. Untalented. And that's the worst thing that can happen to a man in today's world, to be standing naked before all of his fellow men. His batteries have run down, and nothing works. Mm. Now, you can define batteries any way you want, friends, if you wish. That's your problem, not mine. I only uh, create the poetry. You analyze it. Oh, tree frog. Oh, bow. A sickle moon ripples 
the dark waters. And the fish sleeps. That's kind of nice, isn't it? I thought you'd like that. <laughs> God, yes, I thought you'd that'd get right to you there. Yeah. You're not really listening to the real Shepherd tonight, by the way. This is the first experimental model that is totally transistorized. We've set it to poetic, sardonic images tonight. It plays real good. Yes, fully operational, self-controlled, self-contained, and has an AVC circuit, which is an automatic voice control circuit, which keeps me in dulcet tones so that you can clearly understand the poetic nuances of the images that float and drift before your passing mind. Yes, your mind drifting like a leaky rowboat, taking water at every seam, and yet bearing a proud name, Pequod, emblazoned upon its bow. Moving over the riffling waters, the waters made soft and bending quietly under the southwest breeze. Oh, breeze that blew over the ancient tombs of the early gods, carrying to you the clashing swords of the samurai. not gone, never here, but always sounding into the south breeze. The lotus petal opens, a perfume drifts over the moss, old bullfrog swallows twice at the first mosquito of the season, meets his maker. You liked that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm telling you, gang. There's just no substitute for talent. Oh, I like that. Oh, I'll do it again, yeah. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> yes, indeed. Speaking of ancient bullfrogs swallowing innocent mosquitoes, this is WOR New York. Of course, where else? You wouldn't hear this in Cleveland. And uh, we have a little note here for you here. And uh, let's see, it's uh, Bat Le Champ. It's a restaurant. It says uh, that the commercial here begins. It says, announcer, to be read slowly, romantically. <laughs> ah, there you are at an intimate table graced by candlelight. The sounds of strolling, transistorized musicians create a mellow mood as you enjoy a sumptuous dinner prepared in the continental style. And then the instruction says louder and a little faster. No, you are not in the Parisian Cafe, but in the delightful Le Champ restaurant right in the heart of Manhattan on East 40th Street between the park and Madison. At Le Champ, you'll find not only authentic French dishes, but also an international cuisine of exotic meat and seafood entree, as well as hearty steaks and the prime tender ribs, all at moderate prices. And it says drop voice to intimate sound as you hit, and they underline it, hit the address, Le Champ, 25 East 40th Street, between Park and Madison. I repeat, Le Champ. Oh, it's a nice word to say. Try it yourself. Le Champ, 
25 East 40th Street between Park and Madison. <laughs> Here comes the strolling musicians. Come, my dear, we shall open the wide. Talk about some things which we should talk about. <laughs> Get off my back. <laughs> We have here TAP, friends, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal. And they have this fantastic youth fair, which I think you should listen carefully to. They're introducing a youth fair for only $210 round-trip economy. That, by the way, is about what the average bill at the average French restaurant here in town goes. So for only $210 round-trip, you can buy yourself an economy airfare ticket to Portugal. That's round-trip, friend. And the ticket is good for one solid year. You can split for 365 days. Anyone under 26 and over 12 is available. What happened to these strolling musicians, please? In Portugal, you'll see all the kids from Europe, because that's where they go on their vacation. Go where the European kids go. You call TAP at 421-8500. And now, it's comedy time. It was one of the epic dramas of our time, the bloody battle in 1948 between Jews and Arabs for the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, after five years of intensive research, a new book, Old Jerusalem, reconstructs this historic confrontation minute by minute. Starting today, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, presents an exclusive serialization of Old Jerusalem, destined to rank among the year's best-selling and most important new books. The adventure and heartbreak of the holy city under siege and in flames unfolds in the pages of Newsday in ten consecutive exciting installments. Every day in Newsday, you will share the incredible adventures that occurred as the Jews and Arabs clashed in a struggle that still continues. You'll want to read every installment of Old Jerusalem in this Newsday special bonus series, daily and Sunday in Newsday, starting today. Newsday, Long Island's own newspaper. Hey, listen, I got, uh, among all my other junk mail, I get a lot of junk mail. It's great mail, junk mail. Of course, it's not the kind of junk mail that uh, most people, <laughs> you know, junk has a different uh, has a different meaning in the street than uh, what I'm using here. You know, you know what is it, real junk, right? Well, they don't send that to you in the mail unless they're willing to really risk a long stretch and a slam. But uh, the kind of junk mail I get is kind of great. You know, I, I'm on a, on a list of uh, connoisseurs. I kind of like being a connoisseur. I like to be described as a connoisseur. I, it makes you feel real good, especially when uh, you open up the letter and it says, Dear Connoisseur, we've produced another fantastic line of 8-millimeter films and 35-millimeter color slides. Uh, for example, our newest one is called Fat Girls of Denmark. And... Uh, a connoisseur of your type will immediately enjoy this new line, and we are closing some samples. Well, the other day, I'm, you see, have you ever gotten that kind of mail? You haven't. Have you, Jerry? Well, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, maybe the devil is working in devious ways these days. Of course, the devil always did work in devious ways. I, I suspect the devil knows the, who the true evil people are. And since the devil does not have unlimited mailing privileges, uh, he probably saves a little dough here and there by not sending off the kind of stuff that uh, I get to people like you and Larry, who are obviously of the, you know, the good folk. 
You only get ads for the Reader's Digest and stuff like that, right? <laughs> well, you should see what I get. You know, I'm never on any of the Reader's Digest list. You know, have you? The other day they had a TV thing that says, "In a few days, you will receive." Uh, a, a, a letter from the Reader's Digest containing a fantastic new offer. I never get anything from Reader's Digest. But I sure as hell get something from this place in Stockholm where they do uh, interesting color slides of the fat girls of Denmark and available only to connoisseurs. So uh, the other day I'm sitting in my office, see, and um, see, I've got this little ploy. I think everybody has little ploys that he works in his life, you know, like, uh, like Larry once in a while. I'm sure that when you're talking to somebody, you know, you... You, uh, when you're biting, you, you know, you're trying to, we're, you were playing for time, see, when you're playing for time, what do you do? Uh, in, in a movie made in 1937, if you ever watch any old movies, whenever the character is, is, uh, has been, somebody says something to him, like, uh, we're gonna have to rob the bank. And he's playing for time. What does he do? Well, he does what Humphrey Bogart always did. He, he carefully light up a cigarette. He lights up the cigarette, see, and he's playing for time. He's thinking about what he's gonna say. Well, everybody has these little ploys in his life, right? You play for time. Now, it's so subtle that most people are not even aware they do it. So uh, if you start yelling at the guy behind the counter, I'd say, hey, Charlie, what the hell are you going to get that hot dog over here? Well, he starts playing for time by immediately picking up his little book and checking numbers or something like he's been busily doing this, see? Well, this is his way to, to buy for time, see, he's bidding for time. Now, Larry, I don't know what you do. You run your hand through your hair and knock the golf balls out of it or something. I don't know what it is. What do you do when you're... What do you do when, when some chick says something to you and you don't quite know what to answer right away? What do you do? You just sit there with a dumb look? Yeah, that's right. That's good. He starts scratching his beard. See, he looks down and he, he starts looking through his beard for beard roaches, see? And like that. I, that's a very good one. That's good. That's, that's a good one. Uh... That's, that's carried a lot of guys right to the top, man. I'll tell you, it's carried guys all the way into the U.N. It's carried them into the Supreme Court, that one. That looks very good. Well, to guys who don't have beards, uh, uh, mustache twirlers do that, too. There are certain guys I know that when, when they're, uh, you know, suddenly they're in a position where they're going to have to, they don't want to immediately answer, see? So they start playing with their mustache. They go up like that, see, and they fool around with their mustache a little bit, see? Well, I, Shepard's got his own ploy. So the other day, uh, this uh, executive type walks into my office, and he had that look on his face. You know, you, you can always tell the look on a face. It's bad news approaching. And uh, he's got these watery blue BBs that he wears for eyes. See, and he comes walking into the into the office there, and I'm sitting surrounded by all my stuff. See, I'm surrounded by all this kind of stuff. I got my little ant colony going over there, and I have this uh, this uh, this hive of bees. I'm, I'm I'm raising my own honey now. And she's not taking it too well, but I'm raising my own honey now in, in the in the office. I have a little beehive there, and various things. You know, my model airplane is there, and and all this stuff that I keep going with. And and my ploy, whenever somebody walks in, is to start fooling with the mail. See, I keep a pile of mail on the desk, look like I'm busy. See, so in case something embarrassing is asked, I can say, "Well, just a minute, Fred. I've got to look at this." So uh, he comes in there with these little blue watery BBs. See, looking real bad. And he's carrying one of these blue slips that we get once in a while, which are called laughingly around here memos. Actually, what they are is threats. So uh, he walks in. He's got this little blue, blue, blue thing. See, so I I can see right away by the look in that left BB that uh, it's bad news. So immediately I'm playing for time. See, and I also have this switch that I step on under my desk, which alerts Jerry, my producer. I immediately alerts Jerry that it's hit the fan again. See, at which point. 
Jerry, in a loud voice, hollers, uh, the coast is on the phone. See, and then, then of course, when I get on, that always cows any executive the minute somebody hollers, the coast is on the phone. What he doesn't really say is that I'm getting a call from Minerva, New Jersey, which is just outside of Atlantic City. Now, authentically, that's a coast, isn't it? I mean, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so we've got all, all kinds of, uh, this is all called survival techniques in the Crystal Palace. Uh, you have to learn survival techniques. It's like, uh, it's like courtiers in the ancient courts of, of the Louis of uh, France. You learned all kinds of ways to survive because if you made a false move, if you, you know, arrived wearing the wrong bib or, or uh, you gave, you know, you gave the queen a funny look one day in the middle of the minuets or whatever you were dancing, you were liable to find your head bouncing into a basket with all the, che- you know, the cheers of the multitude, your last big act in showbiz. Well, uh, that's uh, quite similar to our situation, as it is in most big organizations. You understand that, don't you, Larry? You, see, this is all part of your education. You want to be in this business, right? All right. You're listening to a master. Shepherd's one great talent is survival. My God, I'm hard to kill. I'll tell you. <laughs> There's been many that tried. And uh, where are they today? They're working in Chillicothe. So, uh, you know, you, 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 you learn these techniques. You have all kinds of little ploys. So one of my ploys is to know... The look in the eye of, of, of the guy when he walks in, and uh, when he's, you know, it's bad newsville. So, Shepard is sitting in there, and in comes the exec. You got the scene. And his left BB is looking particularly menacing today. His, his right BB is his bad one. It's got advanced astigmatism, and I think he has triple vision in it, uh, especially after lunch, a three hour lunch. Uh, <laughs> with, you know, with all the little libations and so on that go on at a three-hour executive lunch. So he walks in, and he's got this blue slip. Well, immediately I realize what's happening. I kick the switch, and I can hear it buzzing out there, Jerry's desk. Well, unfortunately, Jerry has gone out to the coffee machine. So here I am. It's like, you know, it's like being in a bank, and you've kicked the special switch, which alerts him at the 12th precinct, and all the cops are out to lunch. Well, what do you do, you know? So I hit the buzzer again, and he, he sees me jumping up and down on the buzzer. Say, he says, what's the matter? He says, you having trouble with roaches again in your office? And I said to him, well, no, Jim. Actually, I, I cleared the roaches out, but, you know, we're having mice trouble. You heard about the mice, you know. We're having a hell of a thing with mice, especially over in that file cabinet over there by Elsie there. They come in out there. She keeps a peanut butter in the bottom drawer, and they love it, you know. And at that point, uh, he turns, see. Well, I immediately grab my mail because I'm going I'm, I'm, this is... You know, my ploy, I always go through my mail when I'm trapped. Well, I pick up the mail, and without, uh, it's silly, you know, you shouldn't do these things without considering the consequences of your act. I, I as a true guerrilla fighter, I must always track, uh, track easy, man. Move, move quick, easy, give a low silhouette, always. Know when to talk and when to shut up, right, Larry? That's the thing, man. You learn that quick. So at this point, it is shut upsville. Uh, I know that, see. So the only way I can shut up gracefully is by looking through my mail like there's something important in it, see. So I grabbed the top letter, which was fat, and I opened it up. And just as as, as this uh, this executive turns to look back at my desk, he's, he's gone out to look at the mice. He turns back to me just as I open the thing and out fall three sample slides of the fat girls of Denmark. Right there on the desk. Well, I don't have to tell you, this guy's a Sunday school teacher. It's his hobby. He teaches Sunday school. And uh, he, he looks at the fat girls of Denmark for a second, which as they were spread eagle there on the desk, and he looks down at that, and he says, Oh, uh, you're t- I didn't know you were a camera bug. 
And I said, well, uh, and I just got that out of my mouth. Well, uh, and he grabs one of the slides. He says, oh, color. I love color. I, I do a lot of color. I use a knife kind of. He holds it up to the light, and he sees one of the fattest girls of Denmark in beautiful, majestic Eastman Kodachrome color. Looks at it like that. And he says, say, he said, uh, do you use a filter? Are you using a haze filter on this? And I said, well, no, Jim, I'm, I'm, actually, I didn't use a filter. You know, that's, uh, I'm using uh, artificial light there, and, and I, I, I used uh, their, their H-film, you know, for the artificial light, and uh, I used a blue flash. It's very interesting, very interesting. Huh. By God, your, your magenta's come up real good. And I said, yes, uh, they do, uh, very, very good. Yes, they do. I said, of course, you realize that, uh, that uh, I'm using a retina two-way. He says, retina two-way. By God, that's very interesting. He said, uh, I've, uh, I used to have a retina two-way. I'm very sorry I sold it. See, you see how it's working? I've got him completely off the track. And I also see he's very interested in my pictures of the fat girls of Denmark. But he doesn't want to get to it. He says, listen, uh, can I take those slides along? I want to show it to Al up on the 23rd. You know, he's interested in this uh, this new indoor uh, artificial light stuff with the blue flash. And I said, okay, fine, take him up, Jim. He hasn't come back. He's a kind of sir. You know, well, he, he's interested in color values. That's what he's interested in. Beautiful composition, too. Because this one chick was photographed against the skyline, it looked like. She, you know, dressed kind of funny for being in a skyline scene, but the kind of interesting so i'm i'm uh, i'm all part of this this world of the connoisseur and i i enjoy it i i say that uh, you know six of one half a dozen the other for example now now wait a minute now, now that's not all it's not all i'm i'm a connoisseur of many things all of us connoisseurs are that way you know we don't we don't just stick to one thing and i you know, I'm, I'm interested in the, the fat girls of denmark i suppose uh, i didn't ask for that uh, it came in just in the mail like that uh, i received a uh a flyer in the same mail, as a matter of fact. It says, prayer will bring you anything you want instantly with this new dial-a-prayer slide rule device. It says, maybe you've been praying wrong. It says, maybe you've been approaching God the wrong way. And our new dial-a-prayer dial slide rule device in seven beautiful colors, and it's washable and guaranteed for a lifetime. Uh, only for three ninety-five. It says, you can dial a prayer. It says, you can be more victorious in your praying. So I looked at that for a while, and while my executive friend was up on the 23rd, I dialed a few prayers, and, you know, to see whether or not that would work. It hasn't worked yet. I'm waiting. You see what I dialed for? It says, anything you want, you can get instantly. And uh, so I tried the thing. It says, uh, they sent me a sample dial-a-prayer slide rule device, and you saw it on my desk, didn't you, Jerry? Well, I dialed this thing. It says, instantaneous success. And uh, it says, uh, and under H4, which was a, a blue strip on this thing, I dialed a, an act of nature. And I, I uh, dialed uh, hoping that the 23rd floor would be hit by lightning. That's what I prayed for on my dial-a-prayer thing. But it hasn't happened yet. Maybe we, maybe I'm a little hasty. But it said instantly. Nothing's happened. Although they did blow a fuse in the water cooler. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe I, you know, maybe I haven't learned how to work the thing right yet, you know. So, uh... Each guy in his own way. He, you know, he has to try, uh, you know, the best. Uh, for example, here I have another, I have another ad here that says that I can buy myself a swastika cross for my uh, motorcycle. It says it lights up. Uh, you know what a swastika is, don't you? You don't know what a swastika is? Well, I'll have to explain it to you. That's the, that's uh, the symbol of uh, what was his name? Uh, the little guy with a mustache. 
Uh, Charlie Chaplin played him in the movies. What was his name? Uh, you know, they, they did a film of his life. Uh, anyway, he had this thing, a sign. See, it was, a, it was like a thing. See, and I can buy it. It says, a swastika. It says, amaze and mystify your friends. It says, be uh, the most exciting sight on the Long Island Expressway. I bet that would make me the most exciting, especially certain parts of uh, the Bronx, if I had a swastika that lit up on the back of a motorcycle, see. So I I, uh, I, I looked at that ad, and I don't know, you know, there it is. I have it here, in case you would like to order one, Larry. I don't Jerry, would you like to order one? It says, works on bicycles, too. So, uh... <laughs> Well, I, look, I don't make the news, man. I only report it for God's sakes, you know. Be, uh, be a little, uh, be a little tolerant here. And so I, I, I'm sitting there thinking about that. See, and I, amid all my other junk mail, I got the following uh, piece of uh, information for those of you interested in literature out there. Now, uh, if you don't think this is relevant to life, I think this is far more relevant than any of the, anything that the politicians are saying. Um, and the average guy sitting in his in his home can get the can get a, you know, a sample of pornographies from Denmark. He can get an ad for a, a swastika that lights up for his motorcycle. And the following ad, which I, I thought was kind of nice, it said, uh, it uh, says, uh, new books just out. Uh, just out. The, uh, uh, the publisher announces the following new books. And there was a big headline that says, these books, some of these books, and I'm quoting, some of these books will probably become classics. Well, you know, that's pretty exciting for a publisher to announce right there flat that some of his books are going to become classics even before they're out. You know, that's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, uh, in one way, that's, uh, that's optimism. That's, uh, you know, power of positive thinking. So, uh, it, the outside of the folder just said some of these books will probably become classics. Well, now, all of you know what the classics are. You've seen them, you know, stuff like Moby Dick, uh, Silas Marner, the great classics, Hamlet. Uh, you know about these classics. So I opened it up, finding what, you know, what's going to be the future classics. And here are some of the titles of the future classics, according to this, uh, this, uh, publisher. He sent this to me. Fever in the Flesh. Now, I don't know what that is about. It's, uh, it could, uh, well, I'm just, you know, reading the actual titles. Between Two Lovers. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Uh, Bruce Kimley Returns. Well, I didn't know he'd ever left. I, I don't know about Bruce. I didn't read the first Bruce. Probably Bruce Kimley must have done something good in the first book, but it's going to be a classic. Sex and Astrology. That's a, one of the future classics. Executive Suite Sex Spy. Future classic. Uh, Campus of Carnal Knowledge. <laughs> uh, Diary of a Two-Way Nymphette. Well, when I reached that point, I realized, uh, once again... The junk mail had not failed me. And it's just guaranteed to become classics. And I, and I immediately I thought to myself, gee, classics, I can see future scholars burning the midnight oil over these, you know, trying to get the hidden symbolism in, the, for example, sleep in maid, the hidden symbolism. Would you please give me a little of that cheap honking music, please? Please, just uh, sneak it in there on me. Uh, once again... Once again, we have to return to serenity. I have to turn my knob here to serenity and inner contemplation. There, that's better. That's, could we uh, address, uh, excuse me, while I, while I adjust this thing here. You have to have a screwdriver to adjust the machine. Hold on a minute there. I'm adjusting this uh, set screw here under, uh, under uh, understanding. I have an understanding knob on my machine here. There, that's good. That's better. It's fine. 
Now, uh, would you please bring it up a little bit there? Larry, please. Oh, yes. See, the sound of the scratch of the record must be understood as part of the sound. Without the sound of the record scratching, it's like the frame of a painting. The painting without a frame is a painting without a frame. The painting in a frame is a painting. And the sound of a transistorized koto player without a record scratch is a transistorized koto player. But the sound of a transistorized koto player with a record scratch is, is the sound of transistorized serenity. Beauty of our time. Yes. As we all pursue serenity and peace of mind, we are aided indeed by the world's laboratories. Man ceaselessly chipping away at the unknown, at the mystery of the dark, at the mystery of the great death, as he chips and hacks away, filling his test tubes, grinding his crystals, stringing his wires, always working, always working at the great attenuator knob of the now and the here. And eventually, man will be seated at a vast control board. He will be able to control the lightning and the storms and the thunder and the crash of the waves, the surf upon the ancient rocks of the coast of Maine. I'm just letting you look at your navel for a while. Bad scene, right? Look carefully at it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Did you hear the new rock group? Curt rejection and the uns unsolicited manuscripts? <laughs> what, well, it was one playing over at the garden the other day called Rank Nepotism in the Promotions. Come on, sing it out. Please. Don't, don't hesitate. March right out into the water. Join all of your other organic beings. Ah, he's singing well tonight. He's singing for all of us. This transistorized temple nightingale. He's blowing his cool, too, but he'll get past that part. That's the part where the samurai really give him hell. Led by Mufune. Hashiro Mufune. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Larry. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. It is now quiet in the cave. The shades of night have fallen. The last leaf has dropped from the bow, and the clouds have obscured the moon, and darkness 
like a huge, thick, heavy, palpable velvet curtain, encompasses all of us. The fire has burned itself out, and naught but ashes remain. And so we squat around the cold bits of charred and burned wood and wait for the next onslaught. It will come. It always has. It always will. One of our members dozes. Another quietly knits at a symbolic a beautifully contrived doily, an attempt to create beauty where beauty did not exist. But is this not a conundrum itself? Does not beauty exist because beauty is? Do not you exist because you are? And the mosquito flies past the cave mouth. The tree frog dozes, lets him fly by in peace, his wings humming. Beauty is because beauty is. Mm. A rose is a rose, a pigeon on the grass, alas. salute to Tiny Tim. Stay tuned for tomorrow when we will salute Hugh Downs as uh, once again man engages himself in the futile battle to stop the eternal wearing blender of life. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad image itself. Yes, the wearing blender of life grinds exceedingly fine. The eternal ballpoint big pen of faith writes on and on. And all your tears nor all your wailing will stop not a jot nor a line. Have you done any writing with a grape or a banana lately? This is going to be the only show within recent memory that somebody along the line didn't say something about, uh, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. This was a Roan Arledge production. This is W.O. Hart, New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. Now, you hear? Do you find that your present lifestyle is becoming meaningless, that you feel helpless and don't know where to turn, that you suffer from insomnia or lack of concentration or uncontrolled anger, panics or phobias, 
Recovery Incorporated offers a method of self-help aftercare. For more information, call 212-294-2021. This is the news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. B-52s came very close to Saigon tonight, dropping bombs on suspected communist troop positions 23 miles from the South Vietnamese capital. The raid was against an infiltration route from Cambodia that is traditionally used by the communists to man a forward base. Meanwhile, more heavy fighting continued around Unlock, the South Vietnamese provincial capital northwest of Saigon. At least 250 South Vietnamese troops have been evacuated from that area in the past two days. In North Vietnam, the most concentrated American bombing in four years is still going on. B-52s hit war supply depots on both sides of the coastal city of Dong Hoi, a major transshipment point in North Vietnam. Presidential aide Dr. Henry Kissinger arrived in Tokyo today on what is being called a reconciliation mission to patch up strained United States-Japanese relations. 900 guards were at the Tokyo International Airport to make sure that nothing went wrong, and a special team of 25 police will be with Dr. Kissinger wherever he goes. Left-wing groups are protesting Kissinger's visit because they regard him as the mastermind of American war policy in Vietnam, and they have charged that he is in Tokyo to get greater Japanese cooperation for the American Viet um, invasion of Vietnam, as they call it. Kissinger will take part in lengthy talks during his three-day stay, and among other things, he will try to convince his hosts that Japan has nothing to lose from our association with communist China. An automatic rifle in the hands of a Bronx man almost became the instrument of tragedy this evening as police reported that 15 shots were fired at them before the sniper finally gave himself up. 30-year-old James Friel was arrested after a two-and-a-half-hour confrontation with police near his apartment at 2909 Gleason Avenue in the South Bronx. Police said that Friel finally told them he was distraught over family problems involving his wife and two children. Suspect allegedly used a 22 caliber rifle to fire the shots from his apartment window. No one was reported hit by the shots. Fire on the contract and injury reports go up among members of the Uniform Fire Officers Association here in New York City. Fire Commissioner Robert Lowry, alerted by the increased injury claims, today warned the department and the public of serious consequences because he said that some firemen are now involved in a job action. Doctors are checking fire department personnel at hospitals and fire scenes to determine the number of legitimate injuries. Absenteeism is going up only among the fire officers as they press for a set pay ratio between themselves and firemen in their contract with the city. So far, the city has been unwilling to include pay parity language in the contract with the UFOA. There were some definite injuries to firefighters today in blazes in Brooklyn and lower Manhattan. Eleven men required treatment for heat exhaustion and smoke inhalation after fire fighting a fire at South 10th and Berry Streets in Brooklyn. Twenty-seven firemen were felled by the smoke and heat while working on a blaze in an apartment house on 12th Avenue in Manhattan. We'll have more news after this. Right now, General Tire is having a pre-4th of July sale on the famous General Jet Whitewall Tire. Right now, you can buy the long mileage General Jet Whitewall Tire for only $14.95. That's for the popular size 650 13 
plus 175 federal excise tax per tire. The General Jet White Wall Tire has four strong plies of impact-resisting nylon cord and General Tire's famous dual-tread design for traction and stability. Don't miss this fabulous white wall tire sale. The offer ends Saturday, July 1st, and that's a general tire where the big red G has stood for quality for over 56 years. I've heard Jordan's general tire of New Jersey see Frank McDonald, Route 17 and Union, East Rutherford, George Store, 5207 Kennedy Boulevard, North Bergen, Bob Stone, Route 17 at Lord & Taylor. WR AM Radio News Time in 15 seconds, five minutes after 11 o'clock. According to Maine Democratic Senator Edmund Muskie, Senator George McGovern can make it to the nomination peak on his own. Today, Senator Muskie declined to turn over his committed delegates and endorse the McGovern candidacy. Speaking before the National Press Club in Washington, Muskie said, It now appears likely that by the time the delegate selection process is completed in late June, 1,200 to 1,300 delegates pledged to Senator McGovern will have been elected in primaries and conventions. It is only realistic to recognize that his nomination is probable. Here in New York City today, Senator McGovern, who began his campaigning for the June 20th primary, said that he understood Muskie's decision not to endorse him. The South Dakota senator said he was absolutely certain that he could unify the Democratic Party if he were elected president, despite the opposition by Southerners to some of his policies. Over on the Republican side today, Vice President Spiro Agnew talked in Los Angeles of Democratic tax reform proposals. I sometimes think of these tax schemes as fleet ear lollipops. Very appetizing to the eye, but not much substance. And they can give you a nasty headache if you're not careful. In 1972, we're seeing more leap year lollipops than ever before in memory. And the reason, I suppose, is that there have been more candidates for the presidency than usual. And most of them come out in favor of soaking the rich and sharing the wealth. Well, I understand their plight. After all, if you have your heart set on becoming president of the United States, you have to have an issue. New laws for New York State. Governor Rockefeller today approved such measures as a one-year extension of higher commuter and resident income taxes for New York City. The income tax hikes were originally passed by the state legislature and the city council last year to help balance the 1971-72 city budget. Now the extension will help balance the next budget. And there'll now be runoff primary elections for three major city offices. The new measure requires runoff battles for nominations for mayor, controller, and city council president if no candidate gets 40% of the vote in the regular primary. The governor's approval of the runoff bill is aimed at preventing a repeat of the 1969 Democratic race for the mayoralty nomination as the liberal vote was split among a number of candidates. An estimated $120,000 worth of stolen oil paintings, jewelry, and men's clothing was recovered tonight as Manhattan detectives arrested two men. Police seized Charles Markovich and Joseph Giuliano, who lived in apartments at 151 Second Avenue. The stolen goods were reported found in the apartments. 
also discovered were such devices as acetylene torches, lock picks, electrical equipment for bypassing burglar alarms, and even a collapsible wire ladder that could be folded into a man's coat pocket. Police said that Markovich and Giuliano were members of a highly professional burglary ring, and the investigation is continuing in order to find other members. Payday today for two gunmen at a midtown construction site. Police said the two men wore coveralls and bulletproof vests as they entered a shack on the site of the new New York Telephone Company building at 42nd Street and 6th Avenue. Inside, they disarmed a guard, escaped with a $20,000 payroll. The money had been stacked in a shoebox for payment to the construction workers. There were no reported injuries. Ten years' worth of prison time were given today to 59-year-old Filipino diplomatic attaché and a 61-year-old merchant from Thailand, Cho Siu Chen and Domingo Cañeso, were both convicted of smuggling 34 pounds of heroin into the United States last November. Cañeso was able to bring his luggage with the drugs into this country without a custom search because of his diplomatic status. Both men were later arrested here in Manhattan. Convicted and sentenced heroin smuggler Louis Cirillo of the Bronx won't have any more years added to his prison term because he was among four defendants acquitted today on another charge.